Hey, welcome back to the Great Date Guy podcast. And with me today is Michael Alahuzos. I, I feel like I should know how to pronounce your last name by now, but I do not. It's perfect. been okay. It's perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, Michael has been many different people to me at many different times. I've known him when he was a musician, when he was uh, working almost. Well, not, not even working, like volunteering full-time at the Vipassana meditation centers around the world. Um, uh, now he's living in Bali, and there was a period of time when he was living as a monk, uh, at least with the same sense of restrictions. He's done many, many things, some of which test the limits of what humans are supposed to be capable of. It's hard to encapsulate who he is in an introduction, and yet he's uh, all those things. And today, I think I think what we're talking about is breaking human limits with mindfulness and exploration and body awareness. And we'll see where it goes. But I, I am very excited for this conversation. Same. Thank you so much. Yeah. Would, is there anything that you would like to add in terms of like who you are to yourself or in terms of what you're up to? I'd love to help the audience or myself even understand more about who we are. Like, what are we? Who are, who are we? You know, like, and, and what are we aiming for? And what are we clinging to? You know, these are things that I, I'm struggling with every day. You know, mm. every, every day that I wake up, I have a, a dual sense that's conflicting of like, I'd rather be somewhere else, someone else, something else, you know, it could be better. And on the other end, it's like, from where I am today, waking up in this bed and who I am, all of those things are possible. So it's not about just hating how wide the gap is between the two. It's just about surrendering, accepting the gift that is presented in this moment of me waking up and all right, making those little, little steps and changes to get to where I want to be or how I want to feel. And, um, and it takes a real deep sense of detachment to even take those first steps because they're always going to be in blind directions or the wrong direction. You know, if I want to Go if I want to wake up tomorrow feeling stronger, healthier, happier, more mindful, you know, um, more present, more, more, more moral, more pure, you know, like I actually don't know the way there. So I'm just like walking in the dark every day and trying new things. And, and it's, it takes such a big, big level of just, just letting go and accepting this is a weird ass video game. Some days the best, I'll, I'll, I'll be really honest, the best days I wake up and I'm like, I'm Mario the plumber. And uh, and that's that, you know? Like when you pick up the video game controller, you don't really have so much attachment to that character, even though you are the character and you're in absolute control of everything they're doing. But if, you know, you're never like, oh, he, Mario's fat and girls don't like him. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I should probably stop playing this game. He's fat and no one likes him. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. Uh, and, 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 you know, when he takes damage, you're not like, oh my God, you know, that means his like future's in jeopardy, you know, like he's going to have a limp for the rest of his life or, you know, he's disfigured and the princess is going to be like, ew, go to another castle, you know? So you don't have that kind of attachment. And so I try to wake up every day, like, all right, Mario, what can we do today? And if, and if, you know, what, what can we do today? Just give a hundred percent, you know, like to make it to the end, slide down that pole, get the fireworks. And, and then even when you find out the princess is in another castle, to make it another day. That's the end of my day. I go to sleep and I'm like, all right, if I don't wake up, that's fine. But if I wake up tomorrow, I'm, I'm fucking getting it again and again and again, and I'm just going for it. Those are the best days. And I have to admit, it's like 20 to 25% of my days. The rest of them, I wake up like today and I'm like, oh, why do I feel so achy? And it's gonna be really hard to, to, um, eat and cook and care for the cats and uh I even had the thought many times like oh man I wish I had this uh in- interview with Rob tomorrow <laughs> today I'm so ugly and tired and I really wanted to try to get in like uh seven or eight miles before we spoke and and just like I, I couldn't and feeling all poopy pants and upset about it you know it's like that's why the, the detachment is so important. And that's why the mindfulness and meditation process that cultivates a right view. It's ironic that, or it's just weird that the right view is closer to this view of like, you're Mario than you are you, <laughs> you know? I think, um, I think like that's definitely something I want to touch on. Cause I think in conventional culture, it's very much like, Hey, I have this big goal. And, and with you, like I'm looking at a previous record of what you've been up to and you were fasting for 10 days and 19 hours. You dry fasted for 72 hours, which is at the very limit of what humans are supposed to be able to do. Meanwhile, you were yeah, it, running. I want to just women. jump in. It yeah. was a, it was a, what was it? 41 and 25 hours. So 41 hours straight and then a, like a day and a half break. And then I did it again. That what you're reading is a, a, a cumulative over 10 days and 19 hours. Mm. Um, that was something I needed to put in there as a, I should go in and edit it. But a lot of people were like, wow, it fasted 72 hours. Like, no, I should have written a different. When I wrote that I did like in that same period, how many push-ups? I can't remember, 2,000, 1,000? You know, I didn't do them in a row either. It was over 10 days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. I, to your point, I just needed to say that because it's come up, out a bunch of times. You're right. 72 hours drive fast, I think, is probably the human limit. And, and I was trying to go for it. I ran five miles at the end of that 40, not 41. How, I can't remember. 47 hours or something, 46 hours. Um, I ran five miles and I was like, there's no fucking way. I was trying to run 10 that day. It's like, there's no way I can run another step without another glass of water. Mm. I think that that's probably a good disclaimer if you're planning on replicating these things. There are limits, don't, of course. Don't but replicate any of it. Yeah, also that. Yeah, it's Unless not advice. You, you believe you can, fucking get it. Here's where I think the critical difference is because so often we hear about these like giant human feats and what's what's pushed is this idea of being motivated. And meanwhile... Well, you've done these things and what you're saying is that the secret is detachment. And 
I think in logically I get this and I think many of us logically get that hey that's possible like I can I can view myself as a video game but how did you find yourself being able to believe and occupy that role I think that would be critical to understand You're right it would be critical to understand I myself would like to understand it better so let's really dive dive deep into it because if you can cultivate that just at the drop of a hat, then I believe you could do anything. Mm. Um, <laughs> okay, so I got too caught up in this interview and I forgot. I forgot to ask you to join, to subscribe, to follow, to rate this podcast, to leave a comment if that's an option for you because any level of engagement that you have with us increases our visibility to the rest of the internet, which if you ask me, could use a lesson on humanity and <laughs> and could use a hand up on uh, on this whole dating connection and human experience thing. So if you're getting something out of this interview, uh, take a few seconds and do any number of those things if you want to help me out. All right. Thank you so much. And we're going to be getting back to the interview starting now. So let's let's unpack that. Yeah, I. I'll tell you that when I started this fast, which was a 10 to 11 day fast. So I wanted to have a day zero and a day 11, kind of like our 10 day Vipassana course. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how it ended up being almost 11 days. I knew I wanted to do that and I've wanted to do it for years. And I also knew I recently had the dream of running 50 miles a week. And, um, and I also had some other recent dreams sort of come together and, uh, and I just hit this weird straightaway first, I guess, first it involved where to even begin, you know, I don't know where it first involved. That's why it's so important. If I can yeah. figure out where like these beliefs come from, because if you believe it, you can do it, you know, belief times effort is the result. Uh, I, I just, I put it on the calendar three weeks out, knowing I wanted to do it for myself. I found a time that was really good for it. I'd been sort of building towards it for years with four and five day fasts. Um, I had first heard about a 10 day fast in 2016. Someone recommended it to me. Someone at lightning in a bottle, just randomly, this old woman. And she was like very heavy set. But I was talking about my physical difficulties that I used to suffer from so many gastrointestinal stuff. And she said, oh, well, a 10 day fast would solve all your problems. Hmm. And for whatever reason, it just struck in my heart. I believed she was right. And uh, and I began a fasting journey, you know, intermittent fasting and one day, three day. But to your question, which is the core of all of this, like, where does this stuff start from? It starts from a belief, but does that belief start from all these other ideas and circumstances in your head, you know, having sex and giving birth to that belief, or can you cultivate it as easily as you write your name down on a piece of paper? I don't know, but if we knew, if we figure it out, then, then we've done pretty good by my standards. Hmm. I've. I have some theories about this as well, because I've, I've had the experience of believing in something well enough that it came to fruition without me putting in effort. Like, and sometimes that's happened, but I find that when it does happen, 
I, it has to fit within my concept of what is possible for me. Like, yeah. and it, it can be sort of outside of it, like, but it has to feel like it's achievable. And I, I don't know if that's part of human psychology or not. Cause like, I, I realized that when building mindsets, it's really helpful to baby step as opposed to like, oh, I, I'm a master with women. I'm going to talk to 10,000 women today and I'm going to kill it. I'm going to get like so many <laughs> dates. Like that's, that's not as easily accepted. Like my mind won't swallow that. And I'm wondering if that feels at all relevant to what we're talking about right here. Totally. Like even in the dating context, if you believe this is what confidence is, right? If you believe that she likes you and that she's, uh, you know, a potential match for you, then you just walk through the park, <laughs> you know? It's just like, all right, so I'm just watching evidence of that manifest while we're talking or while we're walking or while we're uh, eating or drinking or, you know, making love. Like all you're doing from that point of view is watching what you believe that she's into you manifest. It's really, really, really easy in my opinion. That's, that's everything. But uh, if you don't believe it, let's say you meet her and you're like, oh, I actually believe that she thinks I'm a little short or I'm a little uh, uh, weird or too much or whatever story we tell ourselves that limits it. It literally limits the potential of this like infinite quantum field. And then from there, while you're walking or eating or drinking, all of those things will manifest themselves. She does think I'm too shy or too weak or too white or too short or too, you know, tattooed or like whatever story I could tell myself, you know? So that's, that's really, really key. And, and it starts like, it's just, it, it starts the moment, you know, I guess it's always starting in every moment. If you have a really strong mindfulness, you can come back to your center of awareness and realize the infinite potential of everything and see the stories you're telling yourself that are creating your reality and then shift it. That's some high level work. Yeah, I, I like this example. And do you have, do you have example, like a story of how that might've played out for you in, in the past? Like where, hey, it's a belief, it's limiting my possible realities like how, how did that show up for you? Um, yeah, so many. I feel like I want to look around the room, see if I can find my partner and make sure it's okay to share this. Story. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll give a, 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 a positive example. And then if you want, we can go into a, a, a negative one. But um, when I met you know, my beautiful partner of, of several years, um, uh, I got a lot of reinforcement that like, ah, oh, this is great. This is going to work out just fine. I was walking through a desert uh, kind of like party festival um, near Joshua Tree. Mm. And this guy, I'd never seen him before, but he's running a clothing and like uh, jewelry from Thailand booth. And he just, he's talking to my partner. She's working with him. And he says, wait a second, I've got to stop what we're doing to hug that guy. I'm just walking by. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> I just finished a, a 60 minute, one hour Vipassana meditation sitting. Um, and I was just walking to my car, you know, and, uh, and he hugged me and my arms around him and I could see her looking at this tattoo. 
and just all the evidence, you know, whatever you want to call it in like, uh, in, in this realm of, uh, of like, um, you know, like value or social proof or whatever they call it. You know, I just saw her looking at the tattoo and, uh, and my belief was she likes that and she can see that this guy likes me and she's curious and she's wondering why, you know, he dropped everything to just hug a stranger. And it's like, from that point forward, my belief was this can work out just fine. And, you know, we've been together every day since then. It's been insanely great and beautiful. And what's happening is my reality is, is manifesting evidence of my belief. That was that, you know, it was that easy. Sometimes you just know, and they say, oh, it's confidence, but it's also, it's, it's just, it's just your belief, you know? Yeah. I used to, there were times I've seen people look at this and, and my belief was they don't like it. And, you know, manifest that too. You know, like uh, my mom in particular has some issue with, with some of this stuff. <laughs> I know I manifest that. I know for sure that I'm the reason why, you know, um, why that's, why, why she doesn't like it. Yeah. And I want to, I want to draw another example here in case you're listening right now and you're like, oh, well, yeah, he's just really handsome. And of course it worked out for him. He believes in himself. I want to provide, <laughs> I want to provide a counter example, uh, from, from, from my own life and in, in seeing that really early on, I, I came in with the belief set that I can become more attractive. And I, I believe that I've reached a place where I'm really good with women, really good with people, but in browsing Reddit and looking at the, their forums, I see so so often the belief that I'm stuck. Women will never love me for who I am. I can't improve. And as I look, I can see that they've burned their own bridge. They cannot yeah. progress because they believe they can't improve. And it sucks so bad reading it because it's like, you can, I have. Like I went from being horrible with people and being so uncomfortable to, to to knowing in my heart that if I talk to someone on the street, I will make that into a profound experience. But it didn't get there by believing that it was impossible. Like knowing, at least believing that things are possible is, is the I think, the most useful mindset. And so if it sounds crazy and out there, I, I assure you, it's actually not. It makes a lot of sense. Self-fulfilling prophecies, it, yeah, those are a thing. <sighs> 100%. Yeah, if someone uh, like these Reddit commenters or anybody, you know, they say, oh, I, I just can't, um, she'll never like me. And it's like, you're right. <laughs> and not because she'll never like you, but because that's the limit of your imagination, you know? And I don't want anyone to get confused and think, okay, imagination, then I just dream and daydream and daydream. I don't know about that. I think, um, like I said, I don't know where these beliefs start, like where it's the genesis of a belief. But once you have that belief and it has momentum, can't stop it. Hmm. Do you, can you think of any practices off the top of your head that you've been doing that might have given your beliefs more momentum in terms of? Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Did I, have I ever told you about this bracelet? No, no, this is new. All right. Okay. Um, about a year and a half ago, a really dear friend gave me this bracelet. 
and he gave me a powerful instruction. He said to, he said to enter into a 24 hour challenge. Okay. And anyone can do this. I strongly encourage everyone to do this. Okay. Enter into a 24 hour challenge. If you catch yourself saying something negative about yourself or your environment, take the bracelet off and put it on the other wrist and replace that statement with something much more true and accurate. Okay. So an example, this is not spiritual bypassing. This is uh, this is sort of what's most important is that you're aware of your thoughts and coming into your sensational awareness, which would be your Vipassana practice or your Satipatthana or your Anapana, just to come back into your awareness of change, of anicca, of the characteristics of impermanence, if anyone knows what that means. But uh, I like to think of the double, uh, what is it called? The double slit, double blind experiment where they're shooting you know, uh, photons at something and depending on whether the, the researchers expect it to come out as a wave or a particle, it does. And it's not even until like they look at it that it's even a wave or a particle. It's like kind of in this flux of like potentially both. You can find all sorts of YouTube videos that obviously describe that so much better uh, than I do from real quantum uh, physicists. I think the, uh, my favorite one is an animated video from Dr. Quantum. But coming back into your awareness, okay, so the, the, the statement example would be, um, she'll never like me because I'm too short, okay? That statement is uh, negative self-talk and negative talk about your reality. And you don't want that to be your reality, do you? No. So you come back into your awareness of the infinite potential of all things and switch this bracelet. And the 24 hour challenge is you've got to go 24 hours without saying something negative. And me, even after a decade of mindfulness practice and so much more, um, it took me six months before I went a day without switching this bracelet. Hmm. It's I... very hard not to say, sorry, you go first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that this is also a critical juncture. If you're listening, uh, you may be wondering how you go back to the infinite possibility field. Like how do you settle back into a state where you think that all things are possible when your brain is telling you that no, not all things are possible. You're too short. She's never going to love you. How do we snap back from that? Do you, do you have any practices that you think are, are useful for that? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's, um, it's just coming. This is not easy for anyone to just do. So I'm sorry. You know, it takes a lot, a lot of work, but to come into your vibrational experience. So, you know, whatever you're feeling, it might be a lot of pain. It might be nothing, but obviously we're feeling things all the time. People have emotions, people have pain, even if you have back pain, coming into your back pain and just noticing it without any words in your mind. It's like, how do you get words out of your mind? This is all very high level stuff. If it was as easy as like, it just tell you how to do it. Then, um, <laughs> you know, everyone would be able to do it. It takes quite a lot of effort. Um, I think, it, I think in MRI scans, 
CAT scans are showing that it has a lot to do with basically controlling your brain wave states. Um, they've done studies on like monks who have meditated 10,000 hours and, and other high level meditators. And to show that like, oh, these like brainwave states that are usually only associated with deep sleep or certain stages of sleep, they can actually switch it on like, like I lift up my hand in their waking state, you know? And so this is kind of what I'm talking about. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that it's not very, very easy to just share. But what I would do in my personal experience is to come into this feeling state and what am I feeling? I'm just feeling atoms and cells and electrical activity, upheavals of it, atomic fucking energy from every every little cell. Anywhere I look, it's just, it's just madness. And it's just going and going. And I'm just like, all right. It's kind of just like you let it go. And you let go of any of the thoughts associated with it. This is back pain, or this is my hand. It's just, and there's some deep relaxing. It feels to me like true rest. It's like the only moment I get of a day of true rest when I come to this place. And all of a sudden it's just stuff churning. It's just entropy. And from there, I can put any story I want on it. Mm. If the story is, oh, I have back pain and that means I'm not going to be able to go uh, dance tonight. I can come in and be like, wait a second, wait a second. Is that the reality I want to live in? Because it will be if I really truly believe that. But I can come into my vibrational awareness, feel that back pain and notice that's a story I've put on something that has no story. Mm. That's a story I've put on infinite potential. It's just energy moving. I'm the only one who said it's bad. And so you just feel it and then you can replace it. This is like some cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy stuff. You can replace it with a thought that's uh, more accurate, which is that I am aware that I am uh, creating a story about my limitations due to this thing that's occurring that I'm identifying as pain. I know that sounds really like, what, 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 what? <laughs> but that's, that's kind of the goal. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of what works. Noticing like, whoa, I'm absolutely limited by, you know, um, what I identify with. Yeah. I, I want to tether this to something that came up for me in a Vipassana yeah. that I think you might enjoy as well. Um, Please. If you're oh, man. I so, loved your podcast about Vipassana. Oh. About your 10-day course. Man, thank you so much for listening. I and I, I think I, I got yeah, you're like you're one of the reasons why I went in the first place. And I think the big thing that came up as a result of attending one of several was understanding how much like the pain and sensation that I feel in my body is like kind of illusory. Like sometimes it's enduring, but if I breathe and slow down and feel into the character of the pain, like, is it stabby? Is it sharp? Is it dull and thuddy? And I breathe and observe it for long enough. Sometimes the pain just vanishes. Like it was never even there. It was, it's almost like it's an idea or a distraction that my brain has created. And I think that might be something that you're speaking to. It's like, Hey, like all of the things that we experience right now are interpretations 
It's like a mass hallucination that my brain has designed. Some of it's probably based in reality, and some of it I've I've just created, and it might just be a misfuck, like a malfunctioning neuron. And if I create a belief around that, it's gonna stick around for longer. And the more I don't examine those thoughts, and the more I treat them like they're objective truth without like first delving in, uh, then the more I'm just kind of stuck with that. Is that relevant to what you were saying? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. Imagine if anyone hasn't done one of these meditation courses uh, that Rob and I are are talking about, it's a 10 day Vipassana course. They do them all over the world. They're generally free. You're learning um, the uh, most ancient of all Buddhist meditation techniques. And some days you sit for, for most days and pretty much every day you sit for 12 hours Mm. in seated meditation in 60 minute blocks and some of those days you're encouraged not to move a muscle not to scratch an itch not to open your eyes your legs are crossed if you're there if they're crossed not to uncross them and there is so much pain there's so much pain (laughs) there's no denying that there's pain in the universe this is not like bypassing and saying like, oh, all of your pain is uh, imaginary. But as your mind gets sharper and sharper, especially in, um, depending on, on who the person is, I guess, but in like longer courses, 20, 30 day courses of sitting there and you haven't opened your legs for hours, sometimes three hours, you haven't opened your legs or opened your eyes or, or scratched an itch. Oh my God, there's some crazy like, like microscopic level of awareness to see that underneath all the pain or in between all of the pain, there's, there's nothing but ecstasy, (laughs) you know, it's, it's very strange to like dive that deep into one of the most painful sensations you've ever felt. And to realize that it's made up entirely of, of ecstasy and orgasmic energy. Mm. Isn't that funny? I I had a hard time swallowing that the first time I heard it from you, but in in exploring emotions that I found undesirable, one thing that came up was seeing how like I really don't like how anger feels in my body. Um, it feels tight. I can feel my throat contracting. Like it, it's sort of painful. But as I began to look for what part of this experience do I enjoy. There was sort of like a swollenness and like aggressiveness and a dominance that was like, oh, this is kind of pleasant. I feel powerful. And I know that it's not quite the same as what you're talking about. But in seeing that, I recognize that inside of a lot of human experience, there is the stuff that we consider to be painful and we're distracted by that. And if we sit with it and examine it for long enough in the gaps there's often something that we can enjoy and potentially enjoy immensely. And it is, I think that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess there's two, two or three things that, that um, we're talking about, but yeah, one of them is that if you can have that, that level of concentration, um, the Buddha said it's rapture. You know, that like, even though everything is entropy and falling apart and, you know, suffering with a level of concentration, there's like this underlying rapture or bliss that even that has to be let go of to have deeper levels of concentration, but it's there. It's underneath all this other stuff. 
the anger thing is really important to touch upon because our emotions dictate so much. We have pro-life emotions like love and anti-life emotions like hate. And anger is on the spectrum in between, in between the two. And, you know, look at like the biological or physiological processes that happen when a person is angry. It's like stress hormone chemicals and, and uh, you know, ultimately someone who's angry for a long time, we associate them with like liver problems or gallbladder problems or, you know, cancer, like all kinds of, those are just stories, but, but there's some truth behind some of it too. Anger and hatred are anti-life emotions. Um, I thought about this the other day. I, I knew this woman, she was the woman who brought laughing yoga to San Diego. She's considered the laughing yoga queen and, and meant to, you know, her, her image is the marketing is that she's the happiest person alive. But when I saw her after the 2016 election, she was suffering mm. and she had this bizarre pain going down her side and her leg. And, uh, you know, even she knew it was from how upset she was about the result of the election and how much she hated Donald Trump. And it's like, so why don't you just let it go? Mm. <laughs> you know, like what's more important to you, like hanging on to the fact that you're right or, you know, letting it go and, and, uh, and coming into harmony with what is because the pain or the anger or that resistance we feel is us just not, being in harmony with what is period i think that is the hardest like single-handedly the hardest choice to make and i've i've been trying to give that up for many many years choosing between being right and being happy is logically not a difficult choice and yet emotionally i'm so attached to being right and i was just having a discussion with a friend about this about how when I think that I'm right, I'm also just kind of assuming that I'm smarter than the universe. You know, all the thinking that I've been doing, all the planning and the number crunching, it should have turned out a different way. I must be smarter than the universe because that's how I'm acting. And it's like blatantly insane. It's like, no, what's so is what's so. And trying to change it is the source of all of my suffering. But man, letting go is so hard sometimes. 100%. Sadhu, I wish I knew how to do it, you know, even better than I do. I might be one of the people that I know who can do it better than most. And yet, like, I got a long, 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 long way to go. I know that the future is so much brighter because, you know, there's so much more I can let go of on a daily basis. Being right or saying it should be a different way. This all comes back down to the bracelet thing, too. Like, I, uh, I should have slept better last night is a thought that came to mind. Hmm. I shouldn't have watched uh, television before bed because then I would have slept better. These, honest to God, they might be statistically true. And I might have honestly told my partner this morning, all of those things. I shouldn't have done this, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but the reality is uh, they're limiting beliefs. And this is my bracelet technique, you know, that was offered to me by my beloved friend, you know, like, if I really believe that, that yeah, I'm, I didn't get enough sleep last night, well, that's the reality I've got to, to live in. That's that, that you, you know, you made your bed and now you got to sleep in it. Hmm. Um, if, 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 if you can really get down the letting go technique, and that means letting go of preconceived notions, 
um, that somehow the fact that I only got less than five hours, less than six hours of sleep, you know, the story is the, I should, I, I didn't get enough sleep and therefore X, Y, Z bad thing. If I can let go of that, well then I'm free agent. Mm. And and I, and I could have a better outcome as a result of getting less sleep. Something that's coming up as we're having this discussion and relating it to what you were just saying about limiting beliefs. Um, earlier, you mentioned that meditation was the practice of having your, at least one of the benefits was having your mind get sharper and sharper. And the takeaway that I got there was that the mind becomes sharper and sharper at perceiving what's actually so about reality. I'm more able to discern what's really happening versus the hallucination part of my reality. And I'm wondering if, if being so deeply in your meditation practice allows you to cut through the noise of the story of what should be because you've been honing that edge to see what's real. And, and that's why you feel into your body sensations. You feel into what's true. Does that map to what you're up to? Or does that feel like it's kind of a different thing? Yeah, 100% maps to what I'm up to. What I'm up to in my daily life and in my work life and in my relationship, um, 100%. Uh, it's easier when it's less personal. Um, like this sleep thing is no big deal, but it's so personal to me because it's my life. Mm. But it's much, much, much easier to see um, on even a global scale, if you're looking at the election results or, or COVID results, you know, like it's a lot easier to say, well, you know, who's to say what's, what's right or wrong? Who's to say what, you know, should and shouldn't be, you know, and I don't mean this as a bypassing technique, but to really come into like that thing of like, who's to say that this pain in my back uh, is such a bad thing, you know, to come into something where it's like, I can recognize that I'm telling a story about what's happening, period and paragraph. As soon as you recognize that you've told a story, then you can realize that just might not be true. Yeah. And for clarity, if you're listening right now, a story is any time that we add a meaning to something that happened. So a story might be that someone is speaking to me because in reality, what's happening is someone is opening and closing their mouth and sounds are coming mm -hmm. out. And I've added meaning on top of that. Words are a story. And the more we build story on top of what's actually happening in reality, I tend to find the unhappier I tend to be. Um, so yeah, just a point of clarity there. And uh, I'm seeing that we're bumping up against the edge of our time here. I wish I'd set aside like another hour, but this has been fascinating. Um, and as we're closing okay. out, man, um, I guess if someone wanted to get in touch with you, like uh, to communicate or work with you or just get to know you better as a human being, is there a means that they can reach you with? Yeah, for sure. Um, you can reach me at lettingglow.com. That's letting go, but letting glow. And um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. And my name on Facebook is Michael Sheehan Alahusis, or you can type in letting glow. And I love to communicate about all of this stuff. 
like I told you before, you know, the reason why I do this is totally selfish. Not only do I like to, you know, earn money like anybody else, I've been helping people coach different clients for 16 years, um, mostly in fundraising, but also in mindfulness now too. Hmm. Um, you know, it's entirely because I get so much out of it. Every time I go over this, even this conversation here, it's like I have to triple check and make sure that everything I said is vibrationally accurate. It's true. It's in alignment. And then I got to triple check myself and see, am I living up to these standards? And, you know, enough days that I look in the mirror and I don't like uh, what I see. That means I got to fucking change it. And I get so much benefit out of that change. So it's just entirely selfish. I love, love, love to communicate and love to help. Yeah. If there was one person that I would trust with mindfulness, uh, it would obviously be you. So I'm, I'm happy to hear that that's part of your, like who you are in the world. And I guess, is there anything that you, is there any advice that you give to the person listening who patiently made their way to the end of this podcast one final nugget of wisdom that you think would be beneficial? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's, uh, don't limit your own potential. Don't get in front of yourself. Don't, um, uh, I don't know what the right phrase is, but, um, you know, I, I truly believe you can, you can feel whatever it is you really, really want to feel. Rob, you've known me for 15 years, you know, I uh, was not always, you know, this like person that I am today, you know, and there were years where I was shaving my head and living in India, you know, and I had uh, two pairs of pants and, you know, four shirts and everything I owned fit in one little bag, mm. you know, um, you know, like uh, there are the, the times where Okay, what would I like to offer to people? It's that, yeah, it's, it's, it's just don't get in your own way. And really the universe will do things to get in your way. You'll wake up, I don't know, something wakes you up, you know, or uh, there's a construction outside or a cicada on your roof, like you can probably hear right now. You know, there are things that you can't control, but the things you can control are your thoughts and your stories. Don't let those get in your way because the rest of the universe is going to do what it can to kill you and to keep you down. And you really have to do everything you can to increase your voltage output and don't limit it with what the Buddha called torments, which are doubt, uh, anger, you know, uh, aversion, uh, sleepiness and, and it's opposite, you know, like anxiety. Um, these are like five enemies, he called them, or torments, kalesis, like don't let them get in your way and only you can let them. So that's my final piece of advice, like notice when you are getting in your own way. Um, and a lot of it has to do with like what you said, the Redditor comment that says, you know, um, I just can't, uh, you know, girls just don't like me because X, Y, Z, you're getting in your own way. It might be true, but only because you really, really believe it. And when someone says, I can't change, well, of course you can't, but you need to know that you can. You can't if that torment of doubt is in your way. It's a long conversation. You know, it's hard to end it on like, what, you know, what, do you, what would you leave someone with? Because I think it's maybe the most important thing. 
Buddha said that the only reason why we're not fully enlightened beings in the present now is because of these torments. My best piece of advice is fuck those torments. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the perfect note to end on. I appreciated having you on, man. I love you, dude. Oh my and- God, Rob, I love you. I love you. And if you're listening right now, if you want to reach out and get in contact with Michael, I'll have his information underneath this podcast in the description below. Um, Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time.